All right. Well, as you can see by the title of this episode, by the thumbnail that you clicked on or wherever you're listening to this or watching this, we're doing some MMA. We are back with UFC talk. It's been a bit. It's been about 100-something episodes. Um, The last MMA Saturday episode we did was when we discussed the um, John Jones return when he took the belt in his first fight back going up to heavyweight it's been since then so we're going to talk some UFC UFC Boston took place this past weekend 292 so we'll be discussing that in this episode not every fight we we only I didn't get to see most of the card I saw the uh, final three fights on the main card so I saw the Whaley Lamosh fight I saw the um the co-main that was the co-main I saw that, I saw the O'Malley, obviously Aljo fight, and then I saw the one before those two, which was the um, Ian Gary and um, Neil Magny fight. So we'll talk about all those fights in this episode, episode 552 of BD4. Let's get to it. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, Turning, looking, see ya! Anthony for three. Creates and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. Oh, 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 oh. Yankees win! <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Let's do it, man. Let's talk some UFC, huh? I don't know if you can hear that, but if you can, there's a little uh, Coca-Cola ASMR for you if that picked up in the mic. Pouring the glass, my bad. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a <clears throat> very fun weekend. UFC Boston was pretty good. Um, strong card and and listen, I <laughs> I hate Boston. I hate their sports teams. I hate their fans. I hate them. Beautiful city, but I hate Boston. Um. To deny, though, that this was a hell of a scene inside the fake garden on Saturday night would be a total lie. Because it was like, wow, the energy, the volume, the pure excitement, especially after that O'Malley finish. Wow. It was fun, man. It was fun to watch. Um, I think there are a few Boston guys on the card. I know there are obviously a few Irish fighters. So it fit the bill. It made sense. Um, So we're going to give our thoughts on on this pay-per-view. Again, not on the entire thing, but the three fights that I saw. 
We'll talk about them. We'll talk about Gary versus Magny at welterweight. We'll talk about Wei Li versus Lamosh, the co-main title fight at women's strawweight. And then we'll talk, of course, the the, uh, the main event, the title fight at bantamweight, Sean O'Malley versus Aljo Sterling. But we'll start with um, Ian Machado Gary and his unanimous decision unanimous decision victory over uh, Neil Magny. And it was a pretty dominant one. I mean, you had 30-26, 30-26, and even one judge scored this damn thing 30-24. So, he had 10-8s and he trounded. And that's crazy. For that, if that guy scored 30-24, yeah, that's 10-8 and he trounded. Christ. You know, this was fun because there was a lot of friction between these two fighters. You always love a fight with, with, with something between these two guys. But something between guys. Um, I mean, there's a lot of shit going on between them. And the interviews, antics in the octagon from both of them. Trash talking after the fight, uh, Neil Magny pushes him. Then you got Machado Gary in his interview in the uh, conference room after the fight, just trashing the guy, calling him a scumbag and all this stuff. Gary said pre-fight that he wanted to go in there and finish him within eight minutes or something like that. And he may not have gotten the finish, but he sure dominated Neil Magny for 15 minutes to get the win in this one. <laughs> I mean, did he beat Magny's legs to a pulp with those kicks? He dropped him to the canvas twice within the first 30 seconds of this fight. Two very lethal, very deadly calf kicks. The first shot he took at him knocked him on his ass. You could tell Neil Magny was just hurt immediately. He was in the clinch with him, got the takedown from it, didn't use it, but, I mean, he really did his damage on his feet. He displayed his elite-level striking, which is why that Ian Machado's Gary, that Ian Machado Gary has been so successful already six fights into the UFC. I mean, those kicks were something else, man. He, um... He made great reads. He, um... Yeah, he was just predicting everything that came at him. and It was just a great display by this kid. I mean, this kid, he talks. <laughs> he's, he's funny, man. I, I love... I love... Like, I'm all for the different UFC personalities. I know like internet warriors like to hate on certain fight. I, I'm not like that. I like, I can't fucking talk. I like all the different personalities in this sport. I love the different types of people that you get in these fighters. So this kid, he talks, he's loud, not exactly humble. He's got the whole Conor McGregor shtick going for him. And you combine that Connor persona 
with his striking skills. 25 years old, 13-0 MMA and 6-0 in the UFC now. He could be something big. You blend all that together, he could be something big. He called out Wonderboy Thompson in his post-fight. So, I mean, that seems like a money-making fight for Dana. I'd expect that to be matched up soon. Probably at the Madison Square Garden fight. I think that's in December or November, I forget. Late November, maybe, I don't know. Probably December, maybe. But I would expect that's what's going to be on the card next for Ian Machado-Gary. And that's gonna that, if that's the fight that happens, that's going to be the big swing factor to Ian Machado-Gary's hype train. Not that I think his career is going to go downhill if he loses, but if he wins this fight... I mean, if this, man, if he does it, he's going to blow the hell up and make some big damn waves in this promotion. If he doesn't, okay, his career doesn't stop. It just, you know, it's going to take a little longer. But if he beats him, if he beats Wonderboy Thompson, the noise but that's if. Because the only thing that I need to see from Machado Gary, and this is just the way his fights have gone, so I'm not exactly knocking him. I want to see what his grappling looks like. He hasn't really been tested there yet, so I, I know Magny's a grappler, but they weren't on the ground. We'll see. Because it's, it's very difficult to beat a fighter like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson without using grappling and doing this only on the feet. Because, as we know, Stephen, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is a striking extraordinaire. A striking king. But, we'll see. Wonderboy is getting old. I heard he turned down the fight the first time. I don't know. Is he scared? Ian's got the size over him. Can't deny Ian Machado's Gary stand-up game, though. He's got excellent hands. Great footwork. And man, those kicks, again, they were hurting me watching it happen. So props to this kid. He's a fun guy to watch, fun guy to listen to. Talks his shit, and this time he backed it up again. When we return from break, we're going to talk about the uh, co-main, uh, co-main event. Zhang Wei Li. And her unanimous decision over Amanda Lamosh. Let's talk about it. Stay with us here on the pod. Be right back. Episode 552 of BD4. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. <clears throat> all right. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to episode 552 of the podcast. So, <clears throat> I, um, why is the camera lagging right now? 
That's very odd. Hold on. Good. All right. Well, it's probably not synced up right now, so you're going to have to deal with it if you're watching the video format of the podcast. I don't know what's going on. That's annoying. I got a new camera. I think that's why. I don't know. Got to fuck with the settings a bit. Um, this is annoying. All right, whatever. The co-main event, if it's... I don't know what it's going to look like when you play it back, but if the words aren't synced up with the... Uh, if the audio is not synced up with the video, it's a podcast, so who cares anyway. But I'm a huge fan of... Uh, Wei Lee, man, she's cool. She's a very easy fighter to to root for. She's very humble. And, um, man, did she dominate Amanda Limos in this fight. Um, 50-43, 50-44, and there was a 49-45 in there. This was a very grappling-heavy fight. There were a couple exchanges on the feet, but... Wei Li was very technical in this fight. Very fluid, both in stand-up and on the ground. Just looked very disciplined. Very relaxed in there as usual. She landed some some wonderful, perfectly executed kicks. And then she was just in total control on the ground. The ground and pound game was there. Amanda Limos had a, had a Darcy choke grip on... Um, Wei Li in the first round, but the way Wei Li just turned on it, she just flipped it. The double leg kick in the in the fifth round was fantastic. Not kick the double leg, um, the takedown. I mean, even the uh, I don't remember when this was, but she sometime during this fight, I think it was Zhang Wei Li who attempted a um a crucifix when she was on her back and she was going full Khabib. Just a really impressive ground game. And she did exactly what she said she was going to do. Right? She said she was going to go in there and she wanted to be like water. And surround Amanda at every angle and every direction. And she was like water. She wiped the damn floor with her. She mopped her up. She landed 296 significant strikes. Do you know how much that is? So... She's fun, and she's probably going to be strawweight queen for a little bit now, man. She's one of the best to do it there, if not the best all-time in that division. You could make that case. Joanna, maybe. Thug Rose, maybe not after that last fight. But you know what? Zhang Weili could very easily be the, the best of all time in that division. It's crazy how your UFC career can go. She was knocked out. Didn't know where she was. That one was at a last fight. This fight, she goes out there and dominates. You could look like two completely different fighters. Just like that. But I'm excited to see what's next for her. Because Amanda Limos is a tough fighter. Like She made a very tough fighter and Limos look very easy. She one-upped her. But I'm looking at a chick who's very tough as well. And I'm a big fan of Tatiana Suarez. And it's very possible that Tatiana Suarez is 
uh, Zhang Weili's next opponent. Big Tatiana fan. I love her story. She fought cancer. That took away her Olympic dreams. And she fought a ton of injuries in her, in her career, which took away some of her MMA prime. But she's back now. She looked very excellent in her last fight. And so maybe she gets Zhang Weili next. Or it could be the other the other Chinese girl who fights Zhang. I'm drawing a blank on her name, but there's a possibility that happens. But um, I think we're going to see Tatiana. For a second, I thought we were going to get Tatiana and Rose. But I think Rose is fighting that French chick. Fiat. But yeah, Zhang Weili, hell of a job. Let's talk about this main event when we return from break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day, or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to BD4Blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Listen, this was a fun main event. Sean O'Malley gets the round two KO over Aljo. And Sean is now king. And new. Sean is officially a superstar. And a superstar in a tough-ass division, too. But this was the fight, to me, that clinched Sean O'Malley's superstar status. I'm happy for him. I'm not his biggest fan, but I like the kid. He's fun for the promotion. You know, and, and this is someone I've criticized in the past as wanting to see him fight better competition at first, but he has since. So credit to him. And speaking of being valuable for the UFC promotion, I think the UFC clearly is trying to push that too, as they should. They're trying to push the whole superstar thing with Sean O'Malley. I mean, MMA history on Instagram posted this last night saying that never before, didn't know this, in UFC history, never before has the promotion uploaded the main event to their YouTube page immediately after the fight. So they're clearly promoting Sean O'Malley, who is 17-1, or 17-0, as he would tell you, um, as the next superstar. And that makes total sense for this promotion, who is still looking for, you know, the old cliche, the next Connor, right? But he's perfect for it, too. He's the big-ticket superstar that draws. He's got the personality. He's got the crazy hair, the tattoos. He's a big weed smoker. You know, he's he's like a modern-day Connor. He's just, he's like, I don't know how to describe it. But he's got the talk, and most importantly, he's got the skill. He's a great striker, and he looked excellent striking in this fight. First of all, DC and even Bisping said it on his YouTube channel, I noticed, they said they thought he looked nervous walking out. 
I took it a little differently. I thought he looked cool, calm, collected, very stoic. Maybe the deep breaths, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You're going up against the bantamweight greatest. And Aljo. But then we saw, we saw O'Malley was perfectly fine. Just displaying great footwork, just so unique out there with his long range style, with his length that he knows how to use. He knows how to keep it at a certain range and still land. And it's unique because he's out there doing the little things. Just attacking with jabs and keeping Aljo off of him. You know, shit that not everybody wants to take time to do. That's what O'Malley does. Aljo shot a couple takedowns, but he never had a damn shot. Sean's takedown defense was too good. He even stopped a few of his attempts to get into the clinch with him. Now, round one was pretty underwhelming, but you could say Aljo took that round. 10-9. You could say he had it with the leg kicks. He was landing a few of them on Sean. But after that, it was a good night in round two for Sean. 50-something seconds in. Aljo comes up on him. He rushed in. Went for a strike. Kind of leaning forward where his head was leading him away past his feet. So he lost a little balance maybe. The momentum was leaning towards Sean. And then Sean, whose momentum was actually going backwards, threw that beautiful right hand with the perfect timing, lands the counter, dropped him, and it was kind of over from there with the, just the ground and pound game from Sean on top of um, Aljo. It was very, very, very similar to the way Connor knocked out Jose Aldo when Jose was like, Attempted to go at him and then he missed and Connor made that excellent read. So it was very similar to the Josie Aldo fight uh, when he got knocked out by Connor. But there's one, I don't want to say controversial, but was it early stoppage by Mark Goddard? My initial re- uh, reaction that it might have been a little bit early. It looked like Aljo was still capable of, of continuing and, you know, he was making an effort to get out of the way. But to Mark Goddard's credit, O'Malley kept throwing at him hard. You could see at one point Aljo started to kind of curl up. And the second he did that, that's when Goddard called it. It didn't seem like Aljo was protesting. He didn't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I recall him saying in his post-fight interview that he thought it was early stoppage. I know his team was protesting very hard, but he didn't protest. And in the end, it didn't seem like it was anything controversial. Um... I did find it interesting in the in the uh, post fight. Aljo said that he underestimated Sean, which was interesting because this is who Sean is. Like that's how he fights. He did exactly as he always does. He's a great striker with range, and he keeps it at a distance like that. This is a kid with a seventy-two inch reach at, at bantamweight. Like he's not quite Izzy Adesanya, but those lengthy guys are going to use that to their advantage. Um, you know, I do have to credit. Aljo for being very classy though and admitting his flaws. You know, he said that Volganovsky would demolish him or something like that, so he's not gonna go to that class. Has saying that costed him? Maybe. You know, I mean he won the title, defended it three times. Usually those guys get the immediate rematch, but doesn't seem like that's happening now. He was in the moment, he said what he said, he got knocked out like he did, so he might not get it. Plus, I think I think Sean called out Cheeto. Sean wants the the Cheeto rematch, which is probably going to be on the December pay per view at, at uh, two ninety six. 
And um, that's something everyone wants to see, obviously, after the way the fight ended the first time. People love Cheeto. People love Sean. This is something we want to see. The whole thing with that fight was the whole, you know, leg, the leg kick, the calf kick in the second round, right? Sean still claims he didn't lose. Um, so I think we all want that rematch. He could get Corey Sanhagen, but I think Sanhagen, I know Sanhagen doesn't think Cheeto should get the title shot, but Sanhagen's uh, recovering from surgery. So we'll see what happens with Sean. But, you know, as for Aljo, man, he took this loss very, very humbly. And I just, I have a hard time understanding why this guy gets so much shit. Okay, so you had the whole paper champ thing. I get it. The whole Petter Jan disqualification, whatever. That's over. And look what's happened since. He fought Jan again after that, and he won. Close fight or not, he did win. And it wasn't a robbery. It was just a very tight, very close call that could have gone either way. There's a difference between that and a robbery. And then he knocked out Dillashaw. No controversy there. And then, in his last fight heading into Saturday, he defeated Henry Cejudo in a split decision. <laughs> like, the dude is 23-4 and in MMA, 15-4 and in the UFC. He's a 34-year-old, probably a Hall of Fame veteran. He's beaten all those guys. He's beaten them, plus Pedro Munoz, who's on this card, fighting Cheeto. He beat Corey Sanhagen with the rear naked choke. He just took his first loss since 2017 and was all class with it. I don't get it. He's a dude who represents the American flag when he goes out there, man. I, I and you would think Boston would respect that. And I don't I just like I'm not talking just about Boston either. Like I know Boston was booing him when he walked out, when he was talking with Rogan and on his way out of the venue and whatever. That's Boston. They're they're racist rednecks over there, right? But like I understand O'Malley's the star, everyone's coming to see, but I'm saying like the entire UFC community is on this guy's ass for stupid reasons all the time. And we just got to let that go. Plenty of other guys are are more, it's more plausible to hate on plenty of other guys. There are way worse guys out there for better reasons to hate them. Yet here we are hating on Aljamain Sterling for being the be, being the victim on the victim end of the DQ. That was two and a half years ago, by the way. Sure, he embraced it. He played the bad guy role. Who cares? He had his fun. We've seen plenty of guys embrace that heel role. I mean, we like guys who are domestic abusers. We like guys who are just assholes. And we hate a guy like Aljo who's very... Classy and respectful and, and respects what he does and what his fighters do. Like he he's I don't know if anybody saw his post his post fight presser. But you can't tell me that you've seen that and you still hate the guy after watching that. I'm gonna play a clip from it. A few it's like a couple minutes. One and two minute clip. Just tell me you're you tell me you you can't tell me you're watching that clip and then you're still going to hate on the guy after. Let me see if I can find it. Here it is. I'm going to pull it up here and I'm going to play it. I'm from the best household, you know, so... So, uh, just being able to find inspiration in other people and... 
kind of carving out your own path. That's the one thing I love about the sport. It's uh, it's allowed me to do things my way. And man, I life is good. I got my family. I got my beautiful fiance. You know, the, <laughs> I don't want to cry on the camera, man. It's, it's the things that matter the most in life. You know, the competition is competition is okay. But this has really helped change my life. Like, I know the UFC gets a lot of shit from, like, the fighters and stuff. But if it wasn't for them, man, I, I wouldn't have the life that I live today. And I told, I told Dana that even at the, the weigh-ins yesterday and, and Hunter, like, if it wasn't for them, like, half the things I've done in this, in this sport wouldn't be possible. And the things I've been able to do for my family, bought my mom a house, doing a little real estate. I, I own three houses now. I'm, I'm set in terms of financial means you know this is just icing on the cake and i took a shot you know i took a shot trying to come back and trying to do something unthinkable and making a dream into a reality and i you know i fell short but it, it happens you know so <clears throat> we're proud of everything i've done no one can like i'm bulletproof man like no one can shake me mentally no one but myself so that's that's one of the things i, I would never get down on myself about i i've truly earned everything i've i've gotten and that's the most important and i just wish people would take other people's journeys and like yeah i played the heel and everything like i it's it's all a game to me like it's like i like having fun it's a good time you know i'm from long island we break balls we like to just have a good laugh but at the end of the day chase your dreams man because life is short i'm 34 now i started this game when i was 20 years old I thought I was going to be the next youngest champion. Um, next to John Jones, came up short. <sighs> and what a ride it's been. And knowing that that door is going to close one day, it scares me a little bit, you know. So I just try to make the most of every single opportunity I can. I, I just don't understand it, man. That's pure class. That's respect. That's not a human being anybody should spend time hating on. You can disagree with some of the cockiness, but that's, again, that's like the only reason you can get mad at him. The only time you could you could not like the guy was, was after the Yon thing. But that was, again, that was two and a half years ago, bro. That's, I don't know. I'm a fan of the guy, obviously. But I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited to see what the future holds at Bantamweight now for Sean O'Malley because that's going to be a hell of a, hell of a run that he's going to go on. I, I think he's going to be holding that for a little bit so that's it we'll wrap this up we'll get back from break with our trivia and that'll be that stay with us we'll be right back here on bd4 episode 552 studio 69 productions is a production company that allows content creators of all genres to market their podcast or whatever project they're working on it's an online platform that will promote your content no problem all you have to do is get in touch with film director and podcast producer Leo Rodriguez from Say No More Podcast, and you're good to go. You can find him on Instagram at Studio69NJ, Studio69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, let's wrap it up with our trivia question. All right, so for this episode, episode 552 of BD4, our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day is, with his victory on Saturday, 
How many knockout wins does Sean O'Malley have in his UFC career? All right. With his victory on Saturday, how many knockout wins does Sean O'Malley have in his UFC career? Let me know the answer. And that's it. Appreciate you all stopping by episode 552 of the podcast in the books. Finally got some MMA in. <laughs> we'll be talking Yankees again soon. They called the kids up. Some. <laughs> all right. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.